we're back. We're back. With another episode of Coffee with Crime. Yes. I'm Lewis. And I'm Alexi. And um, this is another in the series of the birthday gift. Episode two. Episode two. Um, Happy birthday, mom. That's right. <laughs> well, t- uh, we, to continue a little bit of our discussion from last episode about just the life changes and having a couple kids and um, how that affects our, our, our life in the coffee realm, I guess, particularly my life. <laughs> I One thing that has changed is, is that I have buying coffee bags that look like this, <laughs> a large five pound bag of coffee. Reason for that is that now Alexi uh, would prefers what's your favorite kind of coffee to drink on a regular basis? <laughs> well, um, it's not Papa Nicholas, right? Okay, <laughs> tell us what happened with Papa Nicholas. That's a so okay. People should know. I don't know. Yeah, this is like a, a public service announcement. <laughs> um, are you turning me up a little bit? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So a couple of weeks ago, I. <laughs> was buying coffee and Lewis is very particular about his coffee. He I'll like, get to that in a he minute. Like, yeah. <laughs> he likes very high end coffee, whereas like I'll drink um kind of whatever as long as it's not like And I just just to let everyone know who's listening, <laughs> I offer all the time to make her my high end coffee. To, Lewis gives to... me a five dollar coffee allowance per month. <laughs> She always turns me down. She she <laughs> likes the coffee she likes, and I like the coffee I like. Now, not to say that she doesn't like the coffee no, we I taste do, on this yeah. episode on, on these episodes, but yeah. as far as like a regular wake yeah. up and drink it, she would rather have the coffee that she's about right. to talk. And about. a lot of times, I'll just buy like high V coffee because it's actually really good. Yeah, it is and good. I've, yeah, and there's like a couple other ones, like Cameron's. That's mm-hmm. another one. Yep, that yep. I get a lot. Um, but anyway, so I was shopping at Jewel, and there was this coffee called Papa Nicholas, and I think it was like um, hazelnut. Or something. Okay. Which, okay, no. So I don't really like hazelnut, the flavor. Okay. But I had ordered, because I did an online order, I ordered like French vanilla or something. Mm-hmm. And I think they must have been out of it. So they gave me hazelnut instead, oh. which was fine. Like I don't hate it. Like right. I'll drink it. Right. But the reason I got it was because originally it was $10 and it was on sale for five. Oh, wow. So I was like, this coffee is probably pretty good because it's $10 a bag. Right. And I can get it for five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what a deal. So I get it home, and it smells like curry. Ooh. Like, just straight up curry. And, which, I, I mean, I like curry. Yeah. But I don't want to drink it. But not in your coffee. Yeah. <laughs> so I made, I made this coffee, or you made it for me, or whatever, and it was horrible. Did it taste like curry, or did it, t- it taste worse than curry? Yeah, it tasted like, it, it was worse than curry. Like dirt, probably, It right? was terrible. It was yeah. just like, the probably the worst coffee I've ever had. Yeah, Which wow. is saying a lot. Because <laughs> you don't have standards as high as possible. <laughs> but the other thing is, like, after I drank that coffee, for the rest of the day, I felt terrible. Mm. Like, I had a terrible headache. I felt just, like, off wow. all day. And I think it was because of that coffee. Yeah. When, yeah. Once you told me how bad it tasted, my best guess was that it was probably very, very old. Yeah. Now, coffee is a dry good, uh, technically. So, uh, a lot of times the people who bag it or sell it can get away with key- giving it a very long shelf life. But because yeah. of that, and since it was on sale, we were both guessing that probably it was just, 
kind of everything must go, let's get rid of this. Right. So it was probably even older. We never checked the, but you can't even rely on the sell back because what, it's a completely different thing to get a coffee from a roaster that has the roast date on it, which is super, super fresh, and to go to the grocery store, any grocery store, store coffee, and see the the kind of standard expiration date on the label because that expiration date is completely subjective. Like the per, like it's not. So, I mean, there are rules with the. Um, I'm sure with the Food and Drug Administration of, of like sure. what you have to label things, <laughs> but but with you know it's like with pepper. How long does pepper last? Well, right. it lasts a really long time yeah. because it's just, you know, so they apply the same thing to coffee. Um, however, coffee does go bad and it, and it just like any food, if it's gone bad enough, it's kind of like putting crap in your body. And, you know, and yeah. like if you eat a rotten apple, this is an exaggeration, but if you eat a rotten apple, you're not going to feel good. Right. Probably there's a high chance of <laughs> Yeah, of of it of it affecting you negatively, and so I think I, I've and I'm I'm uh, it's interesting that you had that experience because I've had times where I drank coffee too, which just tasted really bad, yeah. and I was, and and because it's coffee, and because we're all kind of like, oh, whatever, I'll yeah, put cream yeah, in it, or sure. I'll just drink it really fast, and then afterwards, I was I just didn't feel good. I kind of had like felt in, in a yeah. funk, in a funk. So, um, but we had talked about this where. If you are someone who's like on a regular basis, like not feeling great, oh, maybe look at your coffee. That's right. Like I if you're that drinking talked, yeah. like cheap coffee or something that you got on sale, <laughs> I, yeah, like maybe switch it up, drink some like high quality coffee and just see if you feel better. That's a really good point because yeah. think about how much of a staple coffee drinking mm-hmm. is for a lot of people. Most and people no one, drink it every morning. And no so. one thinks when they change bread. They, a lot of people look at grocery store coffee as being sort of equally like interchangeable um but but yeah if you were to change you know your 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 coffee and you started kind of feeling just just kind of bad every day yeah i can tell you for sure that there's no doctor in the world that's gonna say hey um you haven't changed the brand of coffee you've been drinking lately (laughs) yeah yeah uh but it's this thing that is so built into your lifestyle that you don't think of it as something that would affect your health one right. way or another it's just coffee but it's not just coffee it's mm-hmm. a food product and food products do go bad so make sure that you're drinking at least and the, th- the good thing about high v coffee is is because it is good and you know it sells a lot yeah and it's always a, a, affordable right. it's, it's so it's always yeah. going to be relatively fresh just because you know unless there's some bag in the back that gets stuck there and they forget to you know they forget <laughs> forget to uh um, but yeah, um, it, uh, you know, um, it, I'm glad you remembered that cause we did have that conversation yeah. and, uh, and yeah, health is important. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think we overlook things like yeah. things like that and just kind of, um, you know, overlook the obvious. It's right yeah. under our nose. <laughs> I think you were the one who came up with that. I like, okay. thought oh, that, thank that, you. yeah, no, you're very smart, especially when I... <laughs> comes to coffee and stuff yeah i am yeah. very smart regarding <laughs> coffee you're very smart regarding other things so too, ch- being being uh trying to be smart with money is also important when you have two little kids and um and so i but but at the same time i personally enjoy high-end coffee yes so i want to put sterling coffee roasters out there as a really great sweet spot that i have found between relative affordability of coffee 
and really being able to buy a coffee that you're not compromising on quality or taste at all. Sterling Coffee Roasters sent us uh, coffee back in, I think, the first season in 2020. That, that yeah, we were, I was going to say, I think I remember. Yeah, that, yeah. Um, but but what what I've found is that, and just like any any company, um, you're going to save a little money when you buy in bulk. But but particularly from them, their price, I don't know how they do it. Um, I would actually love to to talk to 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 them further and just ask about their business model and yeah. everything because uh, as we talked about last episode the profit margins with coffee it's it's not easy no one no one is becoming a millionaire um, in the coffee world except for Starbucks probably but but uh, yeah when you're when you're doing work at this kind of quality it's just it's you know it's a battle it's a struggle constantly to to crank out that kind of quality and still make a living at, at the end of the day and sterling coffee roasters has been what i've and and i've looked at you know i've looked at all these coffee roasters that we have featured on the podcast throughout the past couple of years and most of them are starting to offer five pound bags or sometimes they do a two kilogram bags which is like 4.4 pounds but um, you're all, but but this was by far the be- the most affordable. And you're t- with a bag like this of yeah. of light roasted uh, Rwandan coffee, and we're gonna. I promise we're gonna take a sip in a minute. <laughs> Can't wait! Come on! <laughs> um, it's it's eighty dollars, including shipping, including tax. Okay. And you're not gonna find a better deal than that for yeah. for this kind of quality now, coffee. How long does that last? Great you? question. A, over a month. Okay. Sometimes I'm up to a month and yeah. a half, and this is usually just me drinking it. Yeah. But. Uh, a lot of times I make two cups in in a, in a day and I, and I do like yeah. to brew it strong. Like people who listen to this podcast know I make pour over coffee mm-hmm. and I really like to make it, you know, I want to taste it. I want it to kick me in the face. So <laughs> have so, you done the math of like how much it costs per cup? I have, I, I'm going to, I'm going to just, I'm just going to estimate because I didn't do the math with this bag particularly, but it still comes out to even making it at home. It be, it comes out to between two to three dollars per cup yeah. per, for a strong cup. But I mean, that's more or that's less than you would pay if you got a cup of coffee it's out like, somewhere. It's like half you know. what you would pay. Yeah. Um. So you're, and it's really good coffee. Yeah, it's way more than you would at the grocery store for co- for coffee. Just but you know, um. But not not that much more coffee. What people need to understand is that coffee overall is really pretty expensive compared yeah. to how it was ten years ago. That coffee used to always be sold in. Um, 16 ounce one pound bags and now you'll you'd be very lucky to find anything in a one pound bag it's always 12 ounces so so in order to you know i'm sorry to say it but trick the customer and still you know and still yeah. make money people once the once the import cost and the product cost of coffee over a global worldwide doesn't matter who's buying it once it went up all of a sudden you saw the bags go from 16 to 12 ounces and the price stayed the same. So, and you know, that's just how it is. But, um, but yeah, Sterling coffee roasters is based in Portland, Oregon, as so many coffee roasters are. (laughs) They, um, I don't know a whole lot about the company other than I had a wonderful, pleasant interaction when, when they originally sent us coffee and they're, and they're producing really, really good coffees. Oh, Oh, so all that to say that ever since we kind of stopped, stopped regularly uh, kicking out po- podcast episodes, and uh, last year I was I was a stay at home dad, and I was um, so I was at home a lot. So I moved, I you know, being a musician, I moved my whole music setup to our house to the upstairs um, in the house that we had just bought, and so I you know um, 
for the for the first time buying coffee in bulk from a company like Sterling and just um, having that be kind of like my go to at the beginning of my day, it, it enabled me to still have an affordable option for for um, you know just just not, with with all the other things going on in life, it's nice to have a five pound bag of coffee that you can just know it's there yeah. <laughs> and you don't have to think every every six or seven days like okay i need to go shopping for coffee so i loved the the routine of of, and and so sterling in the past couple years has been one of the main coffee companies that i have just been and they you know i mean this is just me as a customer buying they're not you know sending sending us free coffee all the time i don't want them to because (laughs) i want them to make money but um but it's it's uh, been a been a big time go to for me. So anyone who's interested, uh, Sterling Coffee Roasters, they um, they have a at least one brick and mortar location. They fe- often feature local. In Portland. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they feature local art. They have like food trucks come and do oh. so that, so they work together. But um, it tastes great. It's it is called ni- this this particular roast is called Nayamasheke Murundo from Rwanda. Um, and I'm going to talk about it in a little bit, but before the coffee goes completely cold, <laughs> let's taste it. Do you it. know the tasting notes of this one? Do you have them? I do. They're right okay. on the bag here. Okay. Right, cheers. See. Cheers. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, I took like a big gulp right into the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Pleasant. It's like when we were eating (laughs) and we were like smacking our (laughs) lips. (laughs) And then in retrospect, I think we got some feedback. It's like, maybe you shouldn't eat right into the microphone. (laughs) Interesting, right? Yeah. Are they interesting tasting notes? Are they? They are interesting. Because I'm like. They're both not typical. It's really good. It's a light roast. So you know you're not going to get any chocolate or any. It feels complex. Oh, I like that. It's a washed process. We've talked about that before on the show. Uh, the varietal is bourbon for you coffee nerds. Um, the elevation in, at this place in Rwanda is uh, between seventeen and 1,800 meters. Um, and let's get some tasting notes from you. What do you think? Breathe out your nose and give us those notes. Breathe out your nose right into the microphone. Yeah. Gosh. You know, I'm having a hard time. Um, do you like it? I love honest, it. Honest opinion. I love it. It's okay. really good. I, um, I'm going to say one that I've said before, uh, <laughs> like caramel corn. Okay. Wrong. Fun, That's fun, wrong. Funnel cake. <laughs> funnel cake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ele- elephant ear. Circus food. Um, gosh, I, I don't know. Um, there are just two of them. Okay. It says, tastes like cherries and Vinsanto. What is Vinsanto? That's what I had to look up. <laughs> it is a, a, a dessert wine. Oh. It's made out of white grapes, similar to uh, like a rosé. Interesting. Like a pink. I would never, ever... I don't even know what that is, but I yeah, would never, never guess like wine as a. I don't get cherries out of this. I don't. I don't taste cherries. I don't really either. The, the, the tasting note. I so um, a little more background on this. I this is a coffee that I just on my normal everyday routine uh, at home have been drinking first thing in the morning. <clears throat> so I've got a lot of <laughs> experience with it. Yeah. And to me, 
it sounds weird, but a lot of times I, I wake up in the morning, I maybe drink some water, but I have nothing other than that. So I have a completely cleansed palate. Yeah. And it tastes like barbecue to me. And I love it. Yeah. Um, right now, the way I brewed it, for whatever reason, I'm not yeah. getting the barbecue thing. Okay. But a lot of times it tastes like barbecue sauce, like coffee that tastes like barbecue sauce. There was sauce. another coffee we did that I remembered we said we thought tasted like barbecue. Oh, really? Do you think me- it was the other Sterling that we did? or There's a chance. Uh, yeah, I can't remember what it was, but I, I do remember us saying that. Okay. Yeah. Um, this is a really, really good coffee and a good, good yeah, price great. point. And the other thing, do you know what this is? <laughs> this bottle that I'm holding yes, in my hand. What I is this? What is. Um, it's Trace Mineral Drops. <laughs> you just read the label. <laughs> so another one of our listeners, his name is Keith Rose, a very, very good friend of mine from college. Uh, he and I like to uh, converse about coffee every once in a while. And he was telling me that he had just, um, on the recommendation of his wife, had discovered a thing called trace mineral drops, which is, um, oh, let's see, what does it say? All natural con- concentrated complex of full spectrum naturally occurring ionic trace minerals that's made by using Consenflow, our proprietary harvesting process. Um, so, so this is not just for making coffee. This is actually for people that want to get more uh, a, a different like a smoother flavor out of their tap water yeah so just by adding a few drops and you can it's 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 kind of like a like a foggy white color so when you when you put it in you can kind of see it immediately you can see the the yeah. the concentrated water it's it's as if you were to mix like a bunch of salt water and then pour it in normal water it kind of looks like it's just diffusing into the water but but I, I i tried it with water i wasn't a big fan of drinking water just with this mm-hmm. in it um, it tasted a little too, little too smooth, a little yeah. too creamy. Yeah, creamy it, water. It made the water taste creamy. <laughs> I'm no, no joke. And um, by the way, when I interviewed Tony a couple of years ago, my friend who's a coffee roaster, he mentioned some friends of his that were doing a, a water additive that I think is more specifically meant to kind of neutralize whatever. It's, there's a different kind of science going on with that. This, this, these trace mineral drops, I believe, are just. Um, uh, a different kind of thing. I don't. I don't know what's going on. But but so so I'm not. So this is not like an equivalent to what the the company that Tony was talking about. But um, I did add the water to our oh okay the, the coffee that we brewed with today. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't always use it. I just and when I do it, very very trace amounts. Right. But if you want to experiment with changing the flavor of your coffee, and maybe if you have tap water that you really hate. But you, but it, you know, you could you could try adding this stuff to it. It, it is on Amazon. Um, just look up Trace Mineral Drops. There's a little bottle you can get for. Um, I think that's the. I think that's Trace Minerals is the brand. So, um, yeah, just an interesting little thing to experiment with with yeah. coffee. And, and it makes and, sense to put it in, co- you know, in coffee. It water. does to smooth yeah. out the flavor. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't mind. So we live in Moline, Illinois. I don't mind the tap water no, at all. I think it tastes water, good. Yeah. We also have a reverse osmosis system, which so we have three different options for how our coffee t- t- <laughs> how our coffee tastes in relation to the water. But but water, you know, just just like the age of the coffee that you're buying, like you were talking about. I mean, the water obviously makes a big difference. Yeah. Um, all the minerals in water interact with the flavor of the coffee and in different ways sometimes it's going to make it taste better or sometimes it'll taste maybe worse than it should 
Um, pure, you can't go wrong with purified water, but sometimes the minerals in tap water actually make it taste better to some yeah, people. So yeah. it's all about trying different things and seeing what you like. And, uh, yeah, big, uh, again, shout out to Sterling Coffee Roasters in Portland, Oregon for the, uh, for the Nyama, Sheke Marundo Rwandan That's a hard coffee. And we are back to, you know, Rwanda being <laughs> yeah. one. One single region. Just a quick, uh, we're going to look at a map of Africa to see where Rwanda. Coffee with geography. Ge- coffee with geography. So Rwanda is this very small country here just uh, south of Uganda. And it's in central East Africa, I guess you could say. And there's a huge lake, uh, roughly like 60 miles high and about 30 miles wide, looks like, based on Google Maps. And it's called Lake Kivu. And uh, the, it's on the western part of Rwanda, and that is where this coffee is grown, is near that lake, near that giant lake. So uh, very... Does f- growing the coffee near water make it better? Not necessarily. Okay. Nope. Um, it has some kind of an effect. Sure. But, but yeah. yeah, the thing about Africa, uh, this, you know, the, the kind of green belt right right in mm-hmm. the center of Africa is it's, it's just such a great place for growing it's a, it's a great climate for growing coffee oh, because okay. there's a lot of rainfall and there's a lot of it's it's just very tropical and uh that's yeah. that's the environment that coffee thrives in hmm, interesting is this like a specific coffee map no this is just google maps oh, I, looked, okay. I looked up rwanda and rwanda's right here and i had to search around for lake kuvu because yeah. kivu because there are lots of lakes in rwanda okay. but yeah, yeah. Well, cool. Coffee with geography. Nice. Here's a little thing about Vinsanto. Vinsanto is a style of Italian dessert wine, traditional in Tuscany. Um, full-bodied, typically very sweet dessert wine with aromas of hazelnut, caramel, honey, tropical wow. okay, fruit. Okay, so there's a lot of flavors fruit, in there. Yeah. Caramel yeah. is in there, and I said caramel Oh, corn, so. okay, I guess you were right. <laughs> Booyah. <laughs> well, that's interesting. Yeah. If I had said uh, Vinsanto, would you have been really? Impressed? I would have hung up my <laughs> my uh, coffee apron and and given. I might be wrong, but coffee I think I'm with Vinsanto. Then it would be a one woman <laughs> podcast. You would not need need me anymore. No, I will always need you. <sighs> I will always need you. <laughs> Thanks, Keith, for the trace uh, mineral mineral drops recommendation. And uh, let's hear some crime. All right. So question for you. Do you think this coffee would go good with cream? I think it would. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it would go good with Dr. Thomas Neal cream? (laughs) I'll have to learn a little bit more. (laughs) (laughs) So today we are going to be talking about Dr. Thomas Neal cream. (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah, it is funny. Literally coffee with cream. Coffee with cream. Literally. So originally I picked this person because... You know, his last name is Cream. Yeah. And I was like, he'll go good with our podcast. Um, it gets a little dark. Um Okay. Not that darker than last time? Yeah. I mean, not that our other episodes haven't been, but you know, there's things that are a little upsetting. Crime is always dark, especially murder. For sure. But all right, but I will um I will begin. I'm I'm ready. (laughs) Ready. All right. So Doctor or at this point he was not a doctor, but Thomas Cream was born in uh, Glasgow, Scotland, in May of 1850. Cream spelled like like cream, like cream. Yeah, yeah. yep, exactly. Um, at the age of four, his family relocated to Canada, and they lived in Quebec City. And Cream was the oldest of eight children. 
He grew up in a pretty affluent um, environment. His father, William, ran a successful lumber and shipbuilding company. So, you know, successful guy. You got to make a lot of money to have an affluent life with eight kids. Yeah. You got to be drinking some real discount coffee. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, he must have been, you know, thriving. Yeah. Um, You said shipping? Shipbuilding and lumber. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that sounds, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Thomas was a bright young man. Um, he was enrolled at the La Chute Academy in, where did I say? Quebec City. Okay. Uh, you know, it's funny. I tried to look up this La Chute Academy to see if it was like still around and stuff. And the only thing I could find was that it had a one-star review on Google. Mm. So it still exists though. I think so. Yeah. Oh. It, it has a slightly different name. It had like, it was like CDC or C something. I don't know. Hmm. They changed it a little bit, but hmm. oh, yeah, I wonder what the deal is with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not the best school. Um, and eventually he went on to McGill University in Montreal. So again, very bright, you know, young man. Yeah. Um, but his interest mostly consisted of, you know, flashing his money around, dressing in very expensive, extravagant clothes and jewelry. He drove a like expensive... Um, you know, carriage around. So just like a really, you know, kind of throwing his dad's money right around. So Creighton graduated from McGill in 1876. And it's kind of interesting because upon his graduation, um, his thesis was on chloroform mm. and the evils of medical malpractice. Whoa. Yeah. Which is interesting because Cream then went on to St. Thomas Hospital Medical School in London, hmm. in the UK, yeah, not Ontario, because okay. there is a London, Ontario. Oh, oh yeah. I didn't, I didn't know that. Oh, okay, so he, so yeah, so he moves to London, is you know basically studying medicine to become a doctor. Um, again, he excelled in his studies, um, and he ended up receiving qualifications both as a physician and as a surgeon. Wow. So I'm sure his parents were extremely proud yeah. at this point. Yeah. Our son, the surgeon. <laughs> um, so after completing his studies in Europe, he moved to the U.S. and he actually worked in Des Moines, Iowa oh, for wow. a little while. Yeah. Yeah. We're in the Quad Cities, so that's yeah, only about two, yeah, uh, two and a half hours. Over. Yeah, two and a half hours. Away. Something like that. Um, he then moved to London, Ontario this okay. time. So okay. he's, you know, and eventually relocated to Waterloo, Quebec. It's so funny. There's a Waterloo, Iowa, too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Very confusing. And France. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. We're learning a lot of geography today. <laughs> That's right. Um, so by the age of 22, Cream had quite the resume. Um, and then he decided to start focusing on his romantic life. Hmm. Shortly after moving to Quebec, he met a woman named Flora Brooks. So Flora came from a very wealthy family. Her father owned a fancy hotel. And Flora and Cream quickly became a couple, and only after a few months of dating, Flora became pregnant. So Flora and Cream planned to get married, but for some reason, um, I'm not sure exactly why, Cream attempted to perform an abortion, which ended up failing, which I don't Oof, really know wow. what that means. Yeah, I don't know back if it, then. I don't know if it means she went on to have the baby. Right. Or Yeah, so yeah. I, I really could not find information on that um but basically this abortion attempt made flora very sick so the couple eventually got married 
Um, Cream did not want to marry her, but her father actually literally threatened him with a gun. Wow. So a shotgun wedding, yeah. which makes me think maybe she ended up having the baby because like, why would he be like trying to force them to get married? Right. I don't know. But um, the day after the wedding, uh, Cream left Flora and moved to England. Wow. And he never saw her again. Wow. So he marries her and then just like pieces out. Mm. Um, however, he allegedly sent her some medicine in the mail. So he was like sending her medicine, I don't know, maybe to like help her feel better after this situation. And she died later from what was believed to be tuberculosis the following year. Hmm. But hmm. yeah, not really sure that was how she died. Right. So the following year, Dr. Cream returned to London, Ontario. Okay. He keeps London hopping, so it's a little right. confusing. Yeah, it is confusing. And he opened a medical practice. Um, so he was practicing without a medical license. I'm oh. not sure why exactly. Um, and he ended up getting caught had he, for this. Had he had a license and then had it removed? or he Maybe he like wasn't licensed in certain areas. Oh, or, yeah. I, yeah, I'm not yeah. sure exactly why. Um, but he ended up getting caught. He pled guilty. Um, but I, I don't think much happened with it because he continued to run his practice. Okay. And it was fairly successful. Yeah. Um, in 1879, a woman named Catherine Hutchinson Gardner, um, who was a patient of his, was found dead in an outhouse behind his office. Oof. So Catherine was pregnant, and her cause of death was determined to be homicide by means of a chloroform, chloroform-soaked rag. Mm. So Dr. Can, Cream... Can chloroform kill you? I'm assuming if it's like held in front of your face for combined with like long enough i mean i would think so yeah yeah okay. yeah i mean because like normally you hear about it just like you know knocking someone out <clears throat> right. or whatever but yeah i guess it just depends <clears throat> i don't know okay. so dr cream was questioned about the murder and he claimed that she had been a patient of his who requested an abortion however cream told her he would not perform the abortion and told her that she needed to talk to the father of the baby who was a local businessman um, so she then threatened to poison herself, according to Dr. Cream. And after her death, a letter from from her was found saying that the businessman was the father. So basically, he's claiming that she likely committed suicide mm-hmm. by poisoning herself with chloroform, yeah. which I don't know how that would be possible. Right. But um, her family members told the police that the letter was definitely not written by her. It was not her handwriting. Oh, but the police ended up dismissing the case and nothing ever came of it. Wow. So it's kind of like, you know. So Dr. Cream ends up getting out of town again. And he soon opens a practice in the red light district of Chicago. Hmm. So you lived in Chicago. Yes. Is there still like a red light district area? <laughs> if there is, I don't <laughs> know about it. That's yeah, good. there was no one ever. I never heard anyone mention anything like that. But Chicago was in the nineties and two thousands. Um, it was cleaned up quite a bit. It, you know, people go there now for, for a weekend getaway, but, um, no one was really going there before. I, I talked to people that went to the same college that I went to downtown, um, Chicago in the seventies and eighties. And it was just a war zone. The yeah. whole, the whole city, uh, is, I mean, as far, unless there's this area called gold coast, which was known to be kind of where the celebrities would live and stuff. But, 
Um, the, my my pers- I, I welcome anyone to correct me on this, but from what I've heard, it was just a just a dangerous, bad city with yeah. tons of poverty, ton- tons of crime um, until. Until that kind of what some people would call like a, well, yeah, like a resurgence of, of the wealthy, you know, people moving back from the suburbs into these, these places that had been bad neighborhoods, but then, uh, kind of the pattern that usually happens is like artists and musicians kind of find cheap places to live wherever they go. Right. And then over time it becomes known as like an artsy place Mm -hmm. where there's like a neat restaurant or a neat, uh, you know a neat uh music, music venue or something yeah and then this person moves there and then his friend moves there and, and her friend moves there and then eventually you've got uh got like a resurgence of yeah so and then that's where the expensive condos come in and the and the neighborhoods that have these booms so so but but that was not <laughs> anyone who's experienced chicago in the past 30 years um you're experiencing like a new kind of chicago right, that right. was not the case i mean people had been living in the suburbs um, to kind of escape the whole city sure. and the mess of it for a long time. Same similar thing apparently happened in New York, where right, yeah, uh, Giuliani definitely. started cracking down on stuff, and and the and lots of parts of New York City became much better to live in yeah. on an everyday basis. Um, opposite is happening in San Francisco right now. It's it's really <laughs> it's very scary to yeah. to be there right now, which is which is crazy and sad because it's in my opinion when i was there i was the most beautiful yeah, place a, of the country a, i've ever a, seen a fun city yeah, yeah that is very unfortunate but. sorry i'm kind of going on a no ty- no I, I i asked you about you know the red light district yeah but um but it yeah it wouldn't be surprising that yeah. there were multiple red light districts before before that and right, they must yeah. have gotten cleared out before i was there sure. i know there, there's still bad parts of chicago yes um but yeah i don't know about yes there's lots of bad parts of chicago that that are not safe to be. Yeah. <laughs> Especially after after dark. Yes. All right. So he moves to this red light district area of Chicago. Um, he ends up opening a practice and it was basically a place that offered illegal abortions to prostitutes. So abortion had become illegal in the state of Illinois in eighteen sixty seven. Okay. So that would have been about twenty not quite twenty years before this. Okay. So maybe there was a demand amongst these prostitutes i don't know sure but in um in 1880 one of his patients a young canadian woman named mary ann faulkner a prostitute died following a procedure so cream was arrested and charged but there was not enough evidence and he was released okay so later that year another woman named ellen stack also died after visiting him he gave her some sort of prescription that which she took and died. Hmm. And then the following April, another patient named Alice Montgomery died of strychnine poisoning. Not a good track record. No. The murder was investigated and Cream was a person of interest, but again, nothing came of it. Uh, so strychnine is a, is a murder poison. It's not something you can accidentally ingest. You're right. So, okay. and I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about it. Um... Yeah, I know I haven't mentioned in my notes here, but yeah, okay. So back in the day, um, strychnine was a pesticide, but it was also used in small doses for patients with muscular problems. So they did prescribe strychnine okay. in small doses. Um, it was supposed to help with like muscle spasms, okay. Um, but it's not used anymore for that. <laughs> Good. <laughs> 
Sounds, so. sounds like bloodletting. Yeah, let's try this. Yeah. Okay, actually, it was not helping anything. You know what? That was a <laughs> terrible idea. Um, yeah, so, yeah, strychnine poisoning. Yeah, so nothing ever comes of the investigation. But then in 1881, uh, Cream began to branch out with his practice and took on a patient named Daniel Stott. I think it's pronounced Stott, S-T-O-T-T. Yep. Stout, Stott. Um, so Daniel was a 61-year-old man who had suffered from epilepsy for most of his life. And epilepsy, as you know, is a disorder where you have seizures. Mm-hmm. Um, so Cream had a remedy that was sure to cure him of his epilepsy, and he made frequent house calls to Stott's home. Um, although Mr. Stott's illness may not have been the only reason for Dr. Cream's visits. He was mm. also having an affair with Stott's 33-year-old wife, Julia. Whoa. Yes. Before the treatment started? Well, during the treatment. Oh, so, so he, he would met make her. house calls to treat Mr. Stott, right. but then to also hang so out. So he probably with... met her through the house yeah, calls. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yes, wow. Yes, <sighs> mm-hmm. yes. and he ended up convincing Julia to take out a life insurance policy on her husband. I think he just wanted to make sure she was taken care of. You yeah, know, in case yeah, he of... wanted the best for her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But on June 12th of that year, uh, Stott died, and his death was determined to be caused by strychnine poisoning. Mm. So Cream blamed it on negligence by the pharmacist, mm-hmm. basically saying he got goured. <laughs> right. And um, yeah, so he, you know, he said, you know, the pharmacist gave him the wrong dosage, it's his fault, blah, blah, blah. But it seems that at this time, Dr. Cream's luck had kind of run dry yeah. as far as killing people and getting away with it. Right. Um, and him along with Julia Stott were both arrested for oh. the murder of Daniel Stott. Wow. And it's the, so the tombstone at Daniel Stott's grave, and you can still, you can look it up. It's still there to this day. It says Daniel Stott died June 12th, 1881, age 61 years, poisoned by his wife and Dr. Cream. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Who was in charge of the his engraving? His friend. Yeah. yeah. So they knew. Yeah. That was like their their call for help. Yeah. Their like way of immortalizing. Yeah. Of, of Isn't that letting, crazy? That is crazy. Wow. Yeah. And that's that's a very old tombstone to be yeah. still around and visible. Yeah. I looked up a picture of it. And it's like, you can still read it. I mean, it's like very old, but. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Poisoned by his wife and, and doctor. Dr. Cream. Cream. Yeah. So Julia ends up making a deal with the prosecution to lay the blame on Dr. Cream mm-hmm. and testify against him. Yeah. So she basically gets immunity right. for this crime. Especially because he's got this history that makes it so right, clear. Right, exactly. That he's this, been like, this is you know, his thing right. that he does. He's been, you know, leaving a string of, right. you know, murdered people. And and these and these prostitutes that had uh died, they they're that it was documented by someone it wasn't just kind of like a, a hearsay that they right yeah they i mean they, it was public record that yeah they, okay yeah, they had you know died in because i can imagine back then it, you know being a prostitute would give you not as much well much protection i think against, that that's probably why it really wasn't taken that seriously right, and he never right. got arrested but but it was documented that right. this woman so it was just like oh this. these are just prostitutes but right. then it was this guy who was yeah. you know i don't know what his status was or whatever, but suddenly it's like, okay, now this is serious. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, um, cream ended up being found guilty of the murder of Daniel Stott. And he was sentenced to life in prison in Joliet, Illinois. Wow. 
So What's worse, prison or Joliet? No, <laughs> prison in Joliet. <laughs> so that's the end, right? Wrong. <laughs> um, as it turns out, Dr. Cream's luck had not run out. Oh, and no. in 1891, after Is he certain- still around? <laughs> <laughs> He's still. <laughs> he runs a coffee shop in Chicago. <laughs> right. um, so in 1891, after serving only 10 years in prison, Dr. Cream was released after his brother Daniel bribed the governor and begged him to let his brother go. Mm. Please, Mr. Governor. Wow. Yeah. Connections. Yeah. So I don't know what his brother's uh, how it works in Chicago. connections were, but yeah. apparently. Yeah, so it worked, and he was let out of prison. Just completely free. 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 Um, So after Cream was released, um, he was like, you know, I got to get out of here. Yeah. You know, I mean, (laughs) yeah, exactly. He had all these, you know, deaths connected to him. And then not only that, but then there was this, you know, these remarks on this tombstone right in town yeah yeah so he's like this isn't far away from that (laughs) this isn't gonna work out in my favor so in the fall of 1891 with um some inheritance that he had gotten from his father his father passed away while he was in prison Mm. so he received a large sum of money um he ended up fleeing back to london england wow so he lived at a place called lambeth palace road which sounds nice but Mm -hmm. it was basically a slum so it was filled with crime and prostitutes and drugs and he soon became addicted to drugs, and he became obsessed with prostitutes again. I think he always was. He was always obsessed with oh, prostitutes. I think he really was. No, he really was. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I think, weird I think it even thing. took like a new, yeah. took on new heights at this right. point. What kind of drugs were you know, was he addicted to? I don't know. I should, maybe opium or something. Yeah. <laughs> but I think of what would have been around yeah. at that time. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. Because people didn't really even know about drugs back then, unless they were lived in that kind of area. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. But um, so hmm. soon after he arrived in London, in Lambeth, um, he began writing letters to this local, you know, lady of the night. Yeah. This nineteen-year-old uh, woman named Ellen Donworth. And how old is he at this point? He would have been born in eighteen fifty. Eighteen fifty, and this is now eighteen ninety one. So he would have been in his early forties. Okay, like forty one. Yeah. Um. So the letters were basically asking her to come hang out with him, and eventually she did. Hmm. Which playing hard to get, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the two met up on the evening of October thirteenth, and Cream offered her a bottle to drink from. I'm assuming some kind of alcohol. Yeah. Um, she drank it and of course she became extremely, uh, extremely ill and then it ended up dying wow. for what was later, from what was later determined to be strychnine. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You can take the man out of the city, <laughs> but you can't take the strychnine, strychnine out, out of, of the, the man. <laughs> as they say. <laughs> um, so during the investigation of Ellen's death, um, Dr. Cream began to do some peculiar things. As if he wasn't already doing peculiar, peculiar right. things. So first off, he wrote a letter to the coroner pretending to be a detective named A. O'Brien. Um, in his letter, he told the coroner that he would be willing to give up the name of the murderer if the coroner would pay him 300,000 pounds. Which I did some um, Whoa. conversion math. So at the time, that would have been about 380 thousand pounds or three hundred and eighty thousand US dollars. Why which, would he think anyone would 
give that much well, money. Well, yeah. Like, why would the coroner like who has no, like, a, a personal... Yeah, exactly. Child. Yeah. yeah, I think he was just nuts. Yeah, he was out of it. Um, but I did some inflation math, and that would be about $39 million today. <laughs> yeah, good luck, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So I think he was just, like, screwing around. Mm-hmm. You know, he was on drugs, and he's all, like, you know, yeah. whacked out. Yeah. Um, he then wrote a letter to a man named William Frederick Smith. So Smith was a member of parliament and he also helped run a family business called W.H. Smith, which is like, you know, when you go to the airport and there's those like little shops where you buy a duty free, twenty yeah. no, not duty free, like where you get like a $20 bottle of water Oh, and like oh, a yeah. people magazine, yeah. like a bag of Cheez-Its, a candy bar. Seems, sounds, like, <laughs> sounds like you've done this before. <laughs> Maybe. Um, I think they're called like they're Hudson News oh, or something. Yes. Okay. And then, yeah. Yep. Um, so basically it was like one of those types of shops, mm-hmm. but they were in, you know, airports and train stations and mm-hmm. stuff. So it was a pretty, you know, well-known, successful business. So I'm assuming that Dr. Cream figured this guy had a lot of money. Yeah. Um, but he ended up, you know, writing a letter to him, accusing him of killing Ellen and saying that he needed him to give him money so he wouldn't tell the police. Was there any reason that he thought that this guy would have even known her? No, it was just, I think it was just because this guy probably had a lot of money. Okay. But obviously, he, this William Smith guy knows he didn't kill this prostitute. Right, so he's right. like, he's got an alibi. Okay. Huh. Nothing came of it. You know, he yeah. didn't take it seriously. Um, so about a week later, uh, Dr. Cream met up with another prostitute. Um, and I don't know if this was like a professional meeting, like if she came to him as a patient or if it was for fun. Yeah. But he ended up um so this woman's name was Matilda Clover. She was a 27-year-old prostitute. He ended up giving her some pills. And shortly after taking the pills, she started to have like severe muscle spasms and then dies. Hmm. So strychnine. Yeah. But her death How does strychnine kill you? Um I don't know. I mean, I know it causes like muscle like does your severe, heart seize up maybe i think so so it it causes like severe muscle contractions oh, and then okay. i think it probably ends up affecting your organs like yeah, you know your heart you your enough. lungs and all that stuff okay yeah well uh, another question just was he ever known to have been practicing at, like a normal medical practice at any point or was it always this shady well, moving into bad neighborhoods when and- he was in canada wait was he practicing in canada I think you said he was. Yeah, I think it was, even though he was for a while practicing without a license. Yeah. Like his, it was still like a fairly successful practice. Uh, But he was a surgeon, right? Well, he was a physician and a surgeon. Okay, so So he he wasn't practicing surgery. He never really like ended up, it didn't seem like he really became a surgeon. It seemed like he was more. A general practitioner. Yeah. Okay, or at least posing as that. Sure, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So... And when he had his practice in Chicago doing that illegal stuff, mm-hmm. he might have also done some stuff on the up and up, maybe to kind of right. keep it, right. you know, seeming yeah. like it was legit. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. So anyway, so this woman, Matilda, she dies, but her death ended up being attributed to alcohol withdrawal. Hmm. So they didn't discover it was strychnine. They just said she was an alcoholic and yeah. that's the reason she died. And so nobody was charged with the crime. Yeah. So, however, uh, Dr. Cream could not we leave well enough alone. So he's, <laughs> getting, a, well he's enough. getting enough away with all these murders. Yeah. 
Um, he ends up writing a threatening letter, um, this time to a doctor named William Broadbent, and this time under the pseudonym M. Malone. He really likes, um, like, he likes yeah. Ir- Irish, Scottish names. Right, with yeah. like a letter. O'Brien and M. Malone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he tells Dr. Broadbent that he knew he killed Matilda. Yeah. And that he wanted 25,000 pounds to keep his mouth shut. More affordable this time. Yes. <laughs> still <laughs> Which very I guess expensive. still would be about, what, like $30 million today? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a lot. Or, I don't know, something like that. Maybe no. like $3 million. Okay, $3 million. I don't know. Yeah. But a lot of money that this yes. guy probably didn't have. And definitely doesn't want to give it for a <laughs> fake bribe. Right. So, of course, Dr. Broadbent ended up contacting the police yeah and they set up a sting saying like okay you know i'll give you the money but meet yeah. me at this place yeah but um he never showed up okay so maybe he knew right it was too easy maybe the police were involved he, if he like would that. have negotiated and said i'll give you like you know ten thousand yeah. pounds i bet he would have. yeah come. he probably would have acted yeah. a little more yeah. you know yeah oh that's good <laughs> So about six- I I use my <laughs> de- my cleverness for good, not yeah, not evil. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> so about six months later, in April of 1892, um, Cream met up with a prostitute named Louise Harvey. So he tells her, you know, I have these pills for you that are gonna help you with whatever <laughs> ails you. I guess same town as Matilda, right? Yes. Yeah, so he's yeah. still in this Lambeth. Yeah. area of london okay um so she pretends to take the pills but she actually threw them in a river okay because she kind of had a sense that this dr cream was a little bit of a creep right and also maybe she had heard in the like, i was prostitute say, community that yeah because you would think that the word would get around yeah for sure because there's always creepy stuff going on and they i'm sure they it was common to for them to like warn each other about right yeah this beware of dr cream you yeah know, don't yeah. take anything he gives you right yeah. So about a week later, Dr. Cream would end up claiming two more victims. Wow. So he meets up with these two young prostitutes. I think they were like 18, 19, 20. Um, Alice Marsh and Emma Shreville. So he ends up spending the evening with them. And then before he leaves, he leaves them with some pills and a can of salmon. I don't know if that was like payment. Yeah. But, and the thing is like, I don't know why or like why he was giving them these pills. I wonder if maybe he told them they were some kind of drugs. Yeah. Like if they were on drugs or. Right. You know, I'm not sure. But they ended up both dying of wow. strychnine poisoning. Wow. So during this time. And in how the, many people have to die before. Yeah, seriously. <sighs> before they actually, you know. Look into it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there was a string of murders where all these people were dying of strychnine poisoning and they started referring to it as the Lambeth Poisoner when they would talk about it in the paper right. and stuff. So they had no idea who this was, even though I think that they sort of suspected Dr. Cream at this time. Yeah. Um, but they just didn't have enough evidence yeah. to prove it. So I think it's safe to say that Dr. Cream had probably become extremely cocky at yeah, this point because yeah. i mean he's getting away literally getting away with murder mm-hmm. after murder lots of murders. after murder yeah so in the spring of 1892 he's having a drink at a local pub and he ends up meeting this man who happens to be a, a policeman from new york city 
Mm. So they strike up a conversation, you know, they start talking and Cream begin asking him, you know, have you ever heard of the Lambeth Poisoner? And this guy had heard of him. So then Dr. Cream tells him that he wants to take him on a tour around the town of all the places where these prostitutes lived and like telling him different things about their lives and stuff. So this guy is like, this is weird. Yeah. You know, you know a little too much about this. Right. So he ends up going to the London police and telling them. And they end up... um, I mean, they had already considered him as kind of like a person of interest at this point. Yeah. But now they're really looking at him. Yeah. So they start to watch him closely over the next few weeks, and they discovered that he had a habit of visiting prostitutes. Yeah. And so they're like, okay, it's time. Mm-hmm. You know, so on June 3rd of 1892, Cream was arrested and charged with the murders of Matilda Clover, Ellen Donworth, Emma Shrevel, and Alice Marsh. Mm. And the attempted murder of... Louise Harvey, the one that he tried to like mm-hmm. give the pills to. Yeah. So the trial began on October 17th, and just four days later, on October 21st, he was found guilty and sentenced to death by hanging. Mm. And I think the jury deliberation was only like 10 minutes yeah. long. Yeah. It was very quick. Did the one prostitute who had lived, did she testify? I believe so. About being given yes. pills? And, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes. And on November 15th of that same year, uh, Cream was hung at Newgate Prison. So this is very interesting because right before his body dropped, Cream's last words were, I am Jack, a statement that was never finished as his body dropped and he was executed. Hmm. So it began um, a speculation that he was going to say, I am Jack the Ripper. Hmm. Which, I don't know if you know much about Jack the Ripper, but he was a serial, serial killer, killer who killed yeah. prostitutes in London during yeah. this time. Wow. So, obviously, he never finished the statement. So, you know, you don't know what he was actually going to say. Right. But, like, I don't know. I am jackass. <laughs> I am jacked up in the mind. <laughs> I don't know. But um, Endless possibilities. <laughs> But they ended up um, discovering that... So Jack the Ripper had murdered a bunch of prostitutes during 1888. And at that time, Dr. Cream was imprisoned in Joliet. The, the real Jack the Ripper? Did? Yes. Oh, wow. So they, that they, was, so, it was so close Yeah, together. but they realized that a lot of the murders happened while he was in the U.S. He was in prison. It wasn't right. possible for okay. him to be Jack the Ripper. Right. So if that is indeed what he was going to say, I think he was probably just as a last like wanting to get notoriety yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. So Jack the Ripper, there's still, I mean, that case was never solved. Okay. They never found out who the real Jack the Ripper was. And there's like a ton of suspects hmm. where like to this day that they still think like the, could have been this guy, could have been, I think there's like, you know, 15, 20. And what were people. his murders like, Jack the kind Ripper? Kind of similar. I think he like, I think he like stabbed prostitutes. Okay. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. But so maybe gonna... maybe we'll talk about that in a future episode. But oh. maybe. Um, <laughs> Promise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's the case of Dr. Neil, Dr. Thomas Neil Cream. Wow. Any thoughts, concerns? I think it sounds like he was a very... He he was like a smart person. He could like 
I mean, we see this in a lot of the crimes where someone uses their intelligence for evil. Mm -hmm. And so I think he, it seems like he figured out early on that if he targeted people who were in a, in a legal world like that, right. he clearly had a desire to, to kill people and he got some sort of joy out of it. Yeah. And he knew that if he did that, and, and this is how it happened, if he did that, then he would get away with it at least a lot more than, you know, someone else. Right, right. I mean, and the the sexual side of it with the prostitute, I don't know, you know, yeah. uh, I don't know if he even, I don't know if that was what part of what interested him or if his ultimate objective was just to kill, but he definitely wanted to kill and he got away with a lot of murder, yeah. which is very sad. And it's, uh, you know, that's, unfortunately how things have so often been throughout history is that like you kill one person and you go straight to jail you kill a different person and no one no one asks too many questions exactly yeah it's um it's interesting too because like you know we talked about i mean this guy obviously he was very intelligent but it's like these people get to a point where they just like can't like he kept killing these people kept getting away with it but he like had to Mm-hmm. Then he starts getting just cocky. I guess it's an addiction. Yeah. Just and then like he starts else. like yeah. writing these letters and like yeah. telling people weird details about the crimes. Right. And then incriminating himself. Right. You know, so as smart as he was, it's almost like, I don't know, some kind of like need for like. More. Yeah. Yeah. Ends up getting these people in yeah. trouble in the end. Yeah. I think with people like that too, like there's a, pride element uh like a like a real ego element that's that i mean we, we were watching that show about the the guy the cult leader oh yeah um which you know that's for another discussion but um but there's yeah that i i see a similarity between his brain and the brain of dr cream right. in, in that like there's a continual push for more mm-hmm. Um, control over people for more like a sense like a god it's a god complex yeah it's like i am i can i can take life if i want to and no one can do anything about it and that that further furthering is just an extension of that pride that says i'm i'm untouchable no one can stop me and uh i'm glad that they finally found him but it should have been sooner right yeah (laughs) a lot sooner yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, it's not known like how many people he actually probably killed. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure it was way more than what they even knew. About. And he also, I mean, I'm sure that this was his reason for using strychnine is because it was prescribed right. at the time, exactly, and it was the easiest way for yeah. him to kill. Say, oh, and I also guess the say, far- like blame it on the pharmacist yeah. because literally it's the same chemical in the body, just too much of it. Right. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. So how long, like, so he was hung at yeah. age 42? Yes, yeah. yes. I am Jack. I am Jack. So it wasn't as if he had a childhood fantasy about being Jack the Ripper because Jack the Ripper didn't exist yet. Right. It was, that yeah, he was almost I, a contemporary of Jack the Ripper. Yeah, and I, like, I don't know when Jack the Ripper started, when that, those murders started. I would yeah. have to look at that. But I think he was just sick. And, yeah. you know, this was something that, had come about while he was doing this stuff and mm-hmm. you know yeah wanted yeah. to be known as you know someone who was like really famous or yeah. infamous i guess you yeah. know so yeah <laughs> on a lighter note the coffee was great the coffee was great <laughs> and yeah. um 
Yeah, and this is this has been good. Yeah, this has been good. We will be back with another episode. Sounds good. Until then, we'll take our coffee with crime, but yeah, not Dr. Cream. <laughs> <laughs>